Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi, I'm Guile, Guile and Subterfuge on Tumblr and Door Podcast on Twitter. And tonight I'm joined by Lot. Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen posts on Tumblr. And Eon. Hey, this is Eon. I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. And Clotho. Hi, I'm Clotho Spindle. You can find me at Clotho Spindle on Twitter. And Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky and I am at the Chickren on Twitter. So in tonight's um, first, actually, I should give a uh, standard standard trigger warning um, and spoiler warning. So we'll be spoiling the show and the books as much as we possibly can at this point, which I don't know if we can. <laughs> and um, given the content of this episode, I think in particular a trigger warning for rape is absolutely necessary. So um, on that note, tonight's episode is a special episode dedicated to A Song of Ice and Fire and Feminism. Um, Obviously, we feel like we are experts, or not, on the topic, given that I believe we are um, the only all-female A Song of Ice and Fire podcast. Um, I don't know if that's actually true. I'm just going to go with it. Book one, yeah, I think we are. There used to be a Game of Thrones one, but I don't think it exists anymore. So clearly, we're we're the highest authority. Clearly, I mean, we're the experts <laughs> on the topic. <laughs> and you know, obviously, it's a very timely, very timely topic in our world as we discuss this on the first Friday in December of 2017. Um, you know, it kind of makes the world of Westeros maybe seem a little bit better in comparison to our own than we would have thought. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if I'd go that. <laughs> So I think to start off, I, I really, you know, George is pretty famous for his quote about how he, you know, can write women because he considers women people, a revolutionary idea. And, you know, I think because of that, A Song of Ice and, a Song of Ice and Fire gets kind of credit as perhaps more of a feminist story than many other fantasy stories. And, you know, what do you guys think about that? Do you agree or disagree that, you know, it is a feminist story, or that it's a more feminist story, perhaps. Mm. I mean, you know, yeah, you do kind of have to, you kind of have to weigh something, I guess, against its contemporaries. And yeah. I think, I think, I think, compared with other high fantasy and epic fantasy, at least when he started writing it, um, George probably had a a somewhat more feminist perspective than you generally would see um i think he he definitely did some things with some characters that you did you would not have seen much of then at least especially not with men writing and there were very few women really writing high fantasy at the time so i mean yeah i mean he was definitely on the the more progressive end that being said i mean as far as how well it holds up to today i mean (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, well, I mean, give us, you know, give us an example, kind of maybe your, your, um, 
your biggest your biggest example well, of where you I mean like we could compare him to Tolkien. I mean not that Tolkien is his contemporary, but so much of high fantasy is, is based on what Tolkien did and I mean there basically are no women in Tolkien. So I mean right. that's that's progress. Yeah, that's what itself. I say. A lot of them are very male and male point of view heavy. Like, I don't think there's, you know, oh, 20, 30 no. years ago. Yeah, it's not much. Uh, yeah. I mean, there were there were, there were were men in fantasy who were including women and making women, you know, major characters. But um, as far as how they handled them, I mean, I often compare, just because of the scope of the series, I compare George to, to people who were writing in the 90s, like... Robert Jordan and Terry Goodkind and those kind of, you know, big sweeping series guys. And I would say George does a much better job of indeed writing women as people, like like he says. I mean, Robert Jordan in particular just kind of wrote, to me, I've always said that he wrote women with just kind of like window dressing differences. Like the personalities were almost always the same. So one dimensional. Yeah. Not just, I wouldn't say one-dimensional so much as that he he kind of had one monolithic idea of what women were and thought Mm -hmm. that all women were that. Mm -hmm. They were always a mystery to all men and, you know, like, they would be, like, wise and all-knowing and they always had their own secrets that they were talking to each other about and, like, it it was very much like, and I, I think he thought he was being feminist, but no, he wasn't. So, I mean, like, George... George certainly sidesteps that. And and in a way, he was a little bit ahead of his time and other men who were doing what he was doing um, at the time. I mean, but I don't think we'd call him that progressive today. Yeah, and if you're talking about, I think, um, was it, I read a lot of Charles DeLint, and he, he was pretty good at writing women, but he was more of an urban fantasy, so it wasn't like high fantasy or anything. Um, yeah, I would only compare George to High Fantasy because I feel like that's kind of, you know, where he lands with with yeah. A Song of Ice and Fire. I mean, certainly there were more progressive elements of of you know genre fiction, science yeah. fiction, and fantasy, but with what he was doing, yeah. I mean, I'll, let's just say High Fantasy has been a very backward area of genre for a long time. So, you know, what do you consider some of the more the most problematic aspects? In the Song of Ice and Fire. <sighs> well, it was, it was kind of like I feel like I've beaten it think, to death. But yeah, the, you know, I, the age of the girls is the yeah, big one, and that's, that's my number one. That is absolutely my number one. So it's so weird to me because I not weird, but you know, one of his strengths I think as a writer is in writing children, and you know, he has the voice. If you read, you know, Bran and Sansa and Arya chapters. Or even, you know, some of the other chapters where there are children in it. He has, like, he has a great way of writing from a child's perspective. And so it's kind of disturbing to put those, you know, yeah. you know, how how much older is, you know, Danny than Arya? And yet, you know, those three years or four years or whatever it is, you know, she, it's she's a woman. No. Yes. You know, she's... She has, you know, she has no, like, childish thoughts. You know, it's like this very distinct, like... <laughs> cut off yes. period well and i think you know i mean i don't want to get too much into psychoanalysis with george let's just say i mean you know like so many you know straight men um he he kind of puts women in categories and danny right off the bat went into a fuckable category mm-hmm. and she's written in a way you know 
have you guys seen that tweet that's been going around where it's like somebody making fun of the way that that men write women talking about their own bodies in their heads oh, you know like yes. I look oh, down at my gosh. bouncy breasts as I go oh, down the stairs he does you know that like so much. yeah I mean <laughs> just he objectifies Danny a lot yeah. he objectifies Cersei somewhat when he gets into her head but I think you can see that he he is kind of becoming aware of his own you know errors with that as he as he goes along with the series so he's a little bit better with Cersei but see he takes Kat and he puts Kat in kind of an in-between category he he definitely treats her like an adult woman but there's not quite as much objectification as you get with Danny so I mean I think he's kind of like a mother horror type thing I'm not saying I'm not saying that outright outright that is how he is but you can kind of see a little bit of that in A Song of Ice and Fire. One of the comments we had on Twitter from it was from Drea Day who asked, you know, also why are the Targaryen women are why are the Targaryen women either bitches or sluts? <laughs> That's not very feminist, George. <laughs> and I mean, I, I guess I would kind of disagree. Just, I mean, there's you know, Rhea. I don't know. I, yeah, well, there's, I, there's I, a honestly, couple that yeah. were had the one that had the health problems. Is that um. There's like were a couple, right, that had major, or was that? Or am I thinking real? Well, I mean, Rager and Dan, Rager and Danny's mom, and I mean, even like, you know, Dana the Defiant. I mean, she's kind of a bit. I guess she's kind of a bitch, but uh, she's awesome. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like the Targaryens, male or female. Yes, are like ninety percent of them are just like jackasses, regardless. <laughs> like it's really. You know, he has that be their dominant genetic trait. <laughs> it really, it really is. Like they're really just a bunch of horrible trolls. Like, well, and of course he conveniently makes them all, you know, just preternaturally beautiful. I mean, there yeah. are some duds, but yeah. you know, like generally speaking, <laughs> they're very good looking, and so he can very easily, you know, objectify the Targaryen women. And it, it's interesting. It's something that's always stuck with me. And I don't want to make this about George personally, but I'm realizing how much I'm doing that as I go along. You know, someone asked him in an interview once, and no, I can't tell you where it was, but they asked him, they said, which of your characters would you like to have lunch with? And he, you know, was about to say something more interesting, and then he remembers that Danny's the hot one, and he says Danny. So, (laughs) you know, I mean, you kind of can't completely remove the the objectification from from what goes on and you kind of see that i think with the targaryens yeah i mean wouldn't it be interesting if like if quentin was super hot and danny was plain or just like average well yeah yeah you know like that would be (laughs) i think it you know it changes it changes that whole storyline but it also kind of i think you know I mean, realistically, unfortunately, and I think, you know, when we talk about feminism and A Song of Ice and Fire, it's almost like we get sucked into talking about the fandom and their reaction. And you can just see, like, no, it absolutely would have not been as popular if there wasn't some, you know, hot blonde chick with, you know, dragons. Like, if it was, you know. Yeah, I mean, I actually stopped and said, well, how would that work? Like, it's ridiculous that I stopped and said, how the hell would that work if she wasn't hot? But that's how deep it is in the story that's, you know, oh, man. That Danny has to be the most yeah, beautiful woman in all the world. Yeah, because I was thinking if she was just plain and... I mean, what would... can we just have a discussion? Would having three dragons not be enough? I mean, part of the selling... That's and that's the deal. thing. They make part of the selling point to, like, Drogo and everything. You know, um, 
I don't, it, did it read that way to you? Because it reads that way that, oh, that was part yeah. of the reason he took her because oh, she yeah, was so hot. Sure. You know, would, would he have married her if she was not? You know, would, because she didn't have the dragons then. And I don't know. But she had status, you know, yeah. so if he wanted like the status of the Westerosi, you know, the Westerosi princess or something, which, I mean, it doesn't really seem like a very Drogo thing to care about. Yeah, I don't know if he would have. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, and it's tough with George because I honestly do feel personally like he he also I think is 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 critical of the Targaryens as a dynasty much of the time, and I I do think um, as much as he is also in love with them, he is using them as an allegory for some very bad social things. Yeah. Um, so you know, and like I don't want to say that you know, it's it's interesting when you when you discuss something and criticize something. Sometimes it can sound like you're saying, "Oh, this is the absolute truth all the time." It's like. No, this is just something that I see somewhere. So it's like, no, I don't think that George is a horrible, horrible, horrible oh, human right. being. I just think any writer um, exposes well, I mean, something selling, of themselves yeah. in what they write. You know, yeah. so you you just kind of see some things. You go, oh, well, he really likes hot women. You know, and like, I mean, <laughs> just is what it is. And it's you know, you think too, like I've read that he's kind of had a thought experiment of because I think something that he wanted to portray with the Targaryens like was the sense of otherness. And, like, them, you know, looking and being distinctly different than the other people in Westeros. And, he, you know, he does that in the typical fantasy way of, you know, like, the blonde, the white hair and the purple eyes. But he, you know, kind of was like, what if I would have made him black? And, you know, that kind of, again, would be, you know, I think in some ways if he was rewriting it starting today, I, you know, I think that's something that he might very well have done. Well, I mean, my personal take is, I mean, like, just kind of from an outside objective perspective, I think, you know, I have always said this, There, there's something to be said about the fact that the Targaryens are very white, very light-skinned, they're as blonde as it gets because they're silver-haired. Um, I think that he is saying a little something about colonialism, whether he intended to or not, with the fact that they are so goddamn yeah. uber-white. Yeah. Um so, you know, I, I, yeah, I think if you change the way that they look, it, it might change that overall message. And I'm not even 100% sure that he intended it, but it's hard not to see it. I mean, there's such an allegory to me for European invasion of, of yeah. you know, the Americas, because, you know, they've been ruling for 300 years, which is, you know, mm-hmm. probably in George's mind, closely analogous to European invasion of, of the Americas and stuff. So, And the dragons are can certainly be considered like an allegory to disease. You know, there's a lot of... Yep. Mm-hmm. Unfightable. A lot of different things. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm. Although, you know, dragons are much cooler than you know, smallpox. Um, Clearly they make for better TV. Right. Right. That's, yeah, a song of ice and disease just really does not have <laughs> smallpox. No. That doesn't have the same ring. Um, you know, there we have a question from John Ice Eyes who he asks, you know, is George's feminism super outdated in that, you know, all women must either act and think like men or else be stupid and useless? Um, hmm. See, I, don't think I, I, I take issue with that, yeah. yeah. I don't think that's fair, especially when you look at Sans. I think Sans is a good example of um, a character that uses, you know, not the... I guess, what, you know, when you look at women in fantasy, they usually have to be, like, you know, bad, total badasses or... Um, I don't know, sexual sirens. I think I look at Sansa and her strengths, and she's not either of those. Mm-hmm. Well, or Cat. I mean, to me, Cat is That's a by good far the too. most feminine thing that George has ever done. 
Um, the fact that he started out from the beginning and wrote in this, you know, noble woman mother um, who who had to, you know, use the oblique power that that she could get as a as a you know very high ranking noble woman, um, and the way that she has learned to you know work within um, what is available to her as far as power, like everything about Cat to me is 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 evidence that George can be a feminist writer now. At the same time, <laughs> he's got other characters where I don't feel that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's like you kind of want to give him credit on one hand and then the, on the other hand go, oh, damn it. I think well, for me, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, what, what examples can you give us of where he's gone the, the wrong way, down the wrong path, Chicky? I mean, I, I don't, I don't um, disagree with you about what he's doing with Sansa to, to a degree, but, you know, the way that he intended Sansa to... to to ride in the story, and this is something that you don't hear talked about a lot in fandom, um, because Sansa has such strong um, defenders now. Uh, you know, he really never intended people to be huge fans of Sansa. He wanted her to be the black sheep of the family, and in fact, there are interviews where he has said that. Oh. So, you know, he 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 wrote her to be, you know, not hateable, but to be the person you're like, oh damn it, Sansa, what did you do? <laughs> um, he he really didn't. He really didn't. I think at the beginning. Um, mean for people to feel about Sansa the way that they do, which is not to say that he has not, you know, brought her to a place. And I would even argue it's been natural. I, he's a mm-hmm. very good POV writer. He gets in people's heads. And like what you were talking about, Guile, where he can write children as children, every one of his POV characters, he really gets into yeah. their headspace. And I think because of that with Sansa, he's had no choice but to write her as, you know, a fully rounded and really growing individual. Yeah. But you can even see it in the released outline. I think Sansa, you know, betrays everybody, marries yeah. Joffrey, and and never really gets redemption. So hmm. it is it is an area he's grown. I think. I mean, I honestly, I feel like Arya is a more problematic character, and a lot of that is probably a lot of that is the show and the fandom reaction bleeding over into her. But she's the character who is like the stereotypical faux yeah. feminist badass, you know. Yeah, and but that's I mean, obviously a shallow right in the book. It's a shallow reading of the books. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, I, I was going to say, like, with the question that you just read, I'm, I feel like that's more of a criticism of the show to me because, you know, uh, Arya is certainly a case because the Arya in the books has these just, you know, desperately heartbreaking moments of, of complete loss of identity. And, you know, I'm not going to say there isn't a little bit of the badass concept, but, you know, some girls are kind of like Arya. I mean, like I definitely identify more with Arya than I do with Sansa. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, Sansa is more like a real girl or whatever. I think they both represent aspects of real girls. And so, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, the, the kind of the epitome of this, though, that, that George deals with would be um, Asha on one hand mm-hmm. and Brienne on the other, who are both other aspects of this concept. And he's a little slower getting into those, you know, he, he, you know, you're not really getting that in a game of Thrones, but by the time he gets to clash, he is thinking a little bit more outside the box. And he's like, Oh, did I kind of pigeonhole a type with Arya? And so he kind of explores different aspects of the, the badass warrior with those two. And I kind of wanted to talk about Asha and, and, and Arianne too, because I think, they're characters that perhaps you we think of you know feminism as like the individual, but I feel like they're maybe two of the characters who are feminist in the sense of um, breaking the system a little bit. Arianne and Asha, yeah, I would yeah. 
I and mean, that's that's... the category that Cersei can't get into, but yeah, yes, right. absolutely yeah. Asha yeah. and Arianne. Yes. And you know that Kat, for all of her other virtues, I mean, she is, Kat is very rigidly set in the system that she was born in and doesn't, you know, she really doesn't have a desire to change things. She just yeah, Kat, is smart Kat enough never, to figure out how to work within it. Yeah, Kat never looks at things from a meta level, which is right. a very real thing. I mean, there are real people who never do. Welcome to politics right. in 2017. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, it's and I think, type. you know, Danny certainly looks at, you know, changing, you know, changing the world, but it's not from a, you know, not from any specific, any specific feminist or, you know, female first kind of, um, kind of angle, really. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I feel like, you know, Ariane, I mean, yes, it's focused on herself, but, you know, she's questioning, she's kind of questioning the system and um, well, yeah, you know, I trying mean, like, to put just, other women in power. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously she wants to kind of rule through Marcella, but I mean, just the idea that she's like, well, why, why can't this be the case right. everywhere? And, and she's you know, more, yeah, she's a better fit than Tom. And you're know, like, why, why isn't this? Yeah, I mean, I respect Arianne as perhaps one of the most complicated POVs that he's done. Again, I mean, of course he dips into objectification with her. I mean, I don't think he can resist. Um, But, I mean, who she is and what she does in the books, and this is why it is such a goddamn shame, that of all the shit in Dorne, it's Mm -hmm. Arianne that they didn't do on the show. Um, You know, she she is interesting. And in the scope of of epic Mm -hmm. fantasy, she's really interesting. How how so? I mean, you know, she's portrayed to be okay. Well, this is this is always a whole other discussion because there is clearly meta discussion about whether she really is, in George's mind, a person of color. But I mean, I read her as a person of color, and I know most people read her as a person of color. I mean, when you think of her as a a person of color, first of all, she is a a woman with brothers who is the heir to you know, whatever she's doing. And it's not because there's some, you know, overly done feminist, you know, statement in it. It's within a normal fantasy mm-hmm. world that she's in this exception role. And then she is though, because she is in that world that, that where most places it works in the normal patriarchal way, she's concerned about her brother being put in power over her. And it's just such an interesting place for her to be. I mean, she does end up basically betraying her own father. She commits treason against her own father um, in the interest of maintaining her own power, but she's still a very relatable person. I understand why she does it. Most people understand why she does it. Because, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously her father understands why she did it. Yeah, he does. And I mean, that's so unique and so interesting. She is allowed to be very, very human. And if you think about how few POV chapters he has to work with Arianne, it's pretty incredible that he does what he does with her. And I think with Asha, it's really Asha's maybe a little bit more. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit more systematic in a sense. And I think it's more of like what we think she's going to be because I think, you know, she comes in and she's very, you know, she's she's the you know she is like the stereotypical woman in a man's world and kind of taking on, you know, that warrior role that the the Iron Islanders would respect. But I think it's with her, it's more of the experiences that she has in the book that you can kind of see changing her and changing her outlook on things. And, you know, part of that, you know, with her, we might be, you know, we might be projecting a lot of things onto her. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm thinking yeah. of like her conversations with the Mormons and, and you can kind of see the wheels start to turn a little bit with her. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
unlike Ariane, you know, I, you don't get the feeling that Asha is per se fighting for, for all women kind, but you do get the sense that, I mean, I, I, I don't think that Asha hates women by any means. She seems to love her mother and, and, you know, I, I don't think she's, she's a woman hater, like say a Cersei. Oh no. Um, so, but yes, I think that she does react interestingly. Like everything about her interaction with the Mormon girl is really interesting. And the whole theory that, that Asha might be pregnant in the books, I kind of hope is true because I would sort of love to see her like dealing with that and kind of, you know, wrapping that into whatever her character is. I think that would be a really interesting. <laughs> That's so that, surprising that be, to yeah. me. You're usually always anti-pregnant <laughs> women. In the no, case. no, that is, I'm only anti-pregnant Brienne because I feel like <laughs> what that does is make her, no, I feel that if that I honestly feel it would kind of subjugate her to Jamie's legacy. And that's what I don't like about pregnant Brienne. It's not that I hate pregnant women. Of course not. Kat's one of my favorite characters. I love mothers. And I think that's exactly what's missing from a lot of, well, not just fantasy, all fiction. But um, I would love to see someone like Asha who, you know, I mean, like the father of, of her child is, you know, Carl, who is nobody and can't do anything. And, she, and her uncle married her off to someone else anyway. I think it would just be really fascinating because her baby would be her own. And what she did with it would be, mm-hmm. you know, entirely up to her so I it's think, because I get I guess in Asha's case because Carl's a lesser character I guess yes. so you view Brienne as a lesser character to Jamie no I don't but narratively I think that you know how we talk about how the way that the show narrative has kind of shaped the way that people think of the characters even in the books uh-huh. yeah. yeah I think there are elements of any story that kind of are the thing that people take away and I would kind of hate for people to to see the thing that people take away from Brienne being that she carried on Jamie's legacy. Like the thing I want them I to do yeah, yeah. Brienne is Brienne herself. Maybe, I don't, maybe I'm outside the norm or whatever, but I just, I don't see it that way. I, I, that could be just me. I, I mean, I would see it as, I don't I know, see it as like, Jamie's legacy. It would be like theirs as, you know, theirs as a couple that, you know, had this like time that they were able to love each other. And I'm not saying I'm rooting for it. I necessarily want it. I just personally, it wouldn't be a hindrance. Yeah. For me or a terrible thing but to each his own (laughs) (laughs) i think with asha too there's the sense that she's one of those characters like danny like jamie like john that are um poised to upset the status quo in this in this awful world like they're the characters that truly are going to change the way this world works and you know whether or not that's going to result in a world that is fair to women, I guess we'll find out or maybe not, but it seems like she's maybe one of the ones more likely to, you know, help that result happen. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I just, I feel like her experiences have pointed out like the bullshit of the world that she's living in. Which, which specific experiences? I'm thinking of, I'm really thinking of her experiences with the Mormons and um, her experiences with like the futility of what the Iron Islanders are mm, and what they do. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, you know, really like she's, you know, the fact that she went from, you know, a few votes away from being a queen to, you know, shackled to like a 80 or you know, 90 year old dude. <laughs> because they could, you know, because she didn't have a choice in the matter. Well, to put her in her place. Yeah. 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 
So, um, do you guys want to talk about Cersei? <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> you know, I feel like so we've got a few um you know, we got a few comments about Cersei, of course. So we have um one on Tumblr from Three Bears who says, you know, Cersei always gets me thinking a lot about feminism. I wonder how much of her control over Jamie comes from being him, living vicariously through him. She's a powerful woman, but kind of a misogynist herself. Um, we have another one, um, you know, asking, what are the implications of the Cersei and Tana scene? Intimacy and power explore, but as Martin's saying, Cersei can never fully take on a, a male role. So I don't think we necessarily have to specifically address those questions right away, but I wanted to open up, um, open up the floor to talking about our favorite uh, our favorite Lannister. <clears throat> well, I think with Cersei, her the the whole her whole misogynistic attitude really stems from her own narcissism, and you know, once she gets that power, she's she's got that personality disorder, and she just can't seem to help herself, or she has no awareness of what she's. Uh, it's just she's just like a whole shit show, Cersei. <laughs> she's like a bunch of like mental illnesses in one. Yeah, I think a lot. I know a lot of people have a big problem with how she's written, but I I don't have a huge problem with it. I mean, I I think that you know women can be like that and can be yeah. <laughs> misogynistic I, to that extent. <laughs> when I think of Cersei, I did you guys did you ever see the um? It's also a book, but it's the TV miniseries Small Sacrifices, and it's about um, Diane Downs, who's the Oregon woman that shot her kids. Um, to basically Jesus. get rid of them so that her ex-lover would come back to her. Oh, geez. and it's a great, it's a great, it's a great book. It's a sounds really uplifting. It's it's an old Anne Rule book, and uh, it's um, it was a really really good miniseries starring Farrah Fawcett. Uh, <laughs> okay, <it> was, I'm <laughs> emotionally you're taking me to weird places. Here, okay. guys. <laughs> it was it's great, but I mean, you know, in in the book, they kind of talk about all of her, you know, they talk about her personality disorders because yeah. she had to take all these tests because she was actually a surrogate mom at one point. Oh wow! And you know, she has an she has a histrionic personality disorder and a narcissistic personality disorder, and you know, she is textbook Cersei. I mean, she is, you know, her fixation on this lover is very, you know, is very Jamie, as is, like, her relationship with her husband. You know, her children, she has, like, the one golden child and the one, you know, terrible child, and it's, or the one child, you know, she thinks is especially terrible and, you know, the ignored child. Like, it's, everything about her is, I mean, not everything, obviously, but so much about her is, It's. I mean, it's, it's funny. It's Cersei, it's also Donald Trump. Like, they're literally the same person. Um, and so it's, you know, I know that like, I've read, you know, the the big Cersei fans who I think are frankly upset that yeah. George picked Jamie of the twins to like well, make a better person. <laughs> while I Cersei always say, I, I mean, I have I have to say, um, you can get the pers- that perspective that that you know why is it Cersei who has X, Y, and Z? But if you notice, that tends to come entirely from a focus of why in the Lannisters is it only Cersei. Who has to be this person? Why does it have to be the woman that has to be this person? In the in the not- broader series, there are so many men who are so much worse than Cersei. Yeah, yeah. You know, just just in the damage that they do, or even POVs. I mean, fucking right. Victorian is is a goddamn nightmare. Get me out of his head. I never want to get back in it. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, even you know, frankly, Joffrey within her own family is yeah. you know, yes. yeah. not yeah. a gem. 
did not. Well, neither is Tywin. Right. Neither's Tywin. Neither's Tyrion. Neither is Tyrion. Neither is Jamie. Quite frankly. Um, but yeah, I, I really think that most of that criticism comes within the lens of only looking her at her in the context of the Lannisters. I don't think in the broader context of the series, it's it's a good argument. I'll be really frank. I, I don't think it, I don't think saying that she isn't feminist because why is the woman doing X Y Z? There are plenty of men who do way worse things and all the time, and they are POV characters. Well, I mean, and, you know, from a strictly feminist perspective, wouldn't that actually be feminist to have a yes. woman? Yeah, be like, could, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know she's yeah. like the classic evil queen archetype as well, but I don't necessarily think like well, and I one say, evil queen among a story of many women is you know necessarily well, look, anti-feminist. Look right? at the book that he introduces her POV in. It's in the same book that he introduces Arianne and Brienne. Yeah. I, I mean, like, just look at it in the context of its own introduction. And, and Melisandre for that point, too, yeah. you know? Well, like she's in dance, but yeah. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. exactly the same, the same, the, it's the same concept. And... I uh, so I quibble with that. Not that I think that George is feminist and doesn't have anti-feminist things in his work. It, it's not the creation of Cersei that is an issue to me. I mean, to me, and I don't think George intended to do this, but there's so much of white feminism in Cersei where it's mm-hmm. just like she's about getting equality for herself. Yeah. It's not about equality for yeah. everybody. You know, mm-hmm. it's equality for for me, like I just want my supremacy. Place. It's not even about exactly. equality. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I just want to get my my share of the pie. I want to be at the top of of the pile with everybody else who's in charge. Is kind of what Cersei represents to me, and it's kind of like the worst aspects of second wave white feminism to me. So I, I mean, that's really I don't know that point. George meant to do that. That's what I see. Um. If- I think too, okay. like it's it's just you see it in fandom a lot too. There are a lot of people that are Cersei fans who I I think for whatever reason can't reconcile that Cersei is not somebody to um to hold up to a standard of feminist imp- or to be a, imp- a woman of empowerment. You know, like um, I'm sorry, guys, I'm so tired. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> no, I I get what you mean. Like it's not that she's She's not an idol. She's not something you should aspire to. We shouldn't be happy that a woman, oh, the woman's in charge. This is great. Like, no, she's a fucking psychopath who, you know, has trampled on the backs of women who are her friends, you know, essentially her family almost. She only wants to surround herself with yes men and hot pirates. And yeah, 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 yeah. And, And I always say, you know. Um, there's, there's nothing fundamentally different between, um, you know, how the patriarchy treated people like, like Kat and the way that it treated people like Cersei. I mean, did Cersei maybe get the worst end of the stick with husbands? Yeah. But I mean, essentially, you know, it's the same thing and it's, it's like, no, you you don't turn into a psychopath just because you're living in the patriarchy, you know, like that's, (laughs) that's not an excuse for you turning around and raping Tana, you know, that's not an excuse. And I think that's where I have a problem with anybody trying to hold her up as as a, a feminist icon. It's like, no, she's she's an example of the terrible things that, yes, the, the patriarchy can bring about. But, I mean, even the patriarchy is not entirely to blame for Cersei being just an absolute dick. Or all women would be like I mean, that in Western. I mean, the patriarchy didn't make her throw that girl down the well when she was, like, 10. No. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> some serious shit. Like, she had problems yes. all before yeah. that. You have to take responsibility for your own evil actions at some point. And Which yeah, I feel like a classic evil queen would maybe, like, be more into that. Like, yeah, I did it. Fuck you. Which, you like, know, and that's so what I think people of... think Cersei is, but she's not, you know? Well, so much of so much of Cersei fandom is Game of Thrones fandom. And yeah. but, that, but, that is a group of people who, and I am not kidding when I say this because I've, you know, seen a lot of what they say on social media. They do follow the quote-unquote evil queen characters. They automatically go and find them in works of fiction, and that's who they're going to stand. And so they just kind of want to slot her into a box. And the thing is, in the books, in A Song of Ice and Fire, she's very complex. And, like, she makes sense as written, um, even though, you know, she's very over the top as written. Um, but they, they don't want her there. They want, they want to combine what they want to take from the books of her, and they want to combine what they want to take from, you know, Lena Headey's yeah, show yeah. presentation of I, her, which are two entirely different oh, yeah. characters. And the whole tragic backstory, not every person who does villainous things or however you want to define evil has a tragic backstory i mean people you know that you know not even evilness but you know when you have kids they're not just like these blank slates that they're molded by every single experience i mean two different people can have this similar life experiences and they're not necessarily going to turn out the same way so i don't think i don't th- i think there's that sort of feeling like oh well if somebody why can't she be like a Ramsey? Like, I don't get that he has like some tragic backstory. You know, she doesn't need for me. I don't think she needs some, you know, like they did on the show or just even, I think people try to put in the books that something horrible happened when she was a child. Her her mom died. A lot of the kids' moms died in the series. I think it's really alarming if we think, you know, think about the fandom reaction and the way that they, you know, some, some people think of Cersei versus the way they think of Liza. So you have two characters who, you know, through their, you know, through, frankly, you know, evil, shady, crooked deeds are negoti- are, are crawling up the ladder to power in, you know, in an, ways that a woman ne- wouldn't necessarily be allowed to. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of them actually has an actual, like, horrible, tragic backstory. Yeah. And one of them, you know, kind of has a average shitty backstory. And the way we <laughs> treat Liza... We, with her like more obvious mental illness and the way we treat Cersei, yeah. you know, it's completely different. And I mean, unfortunately, I think some of that too is based upon George writing Cersei as, you know, the light of the West, the most beautiful woman, and you know, Lysa's kind of like, yeah, the, you know, crazy-eyed and stringy hair and kind of fat sort of, now. You yeah, know? and that gets me thinking. Like, you know, I'm sort of sitting here pondering. Okay, <sighs> maybe we could discuss everyone's looks, but the males too. But it seems like. And whether this is a reflection of society, because there have been studies that people who are better looking get better jobs. And you know that a lot of times the more beautiful daughter is going to get matched with, you know, in that type of society would be matched with, you know, a a better match, let's say, or to to entice someone. So how much of this is George reflecting? This is how society works. A lot of the movers and the shakers in the books that are women, Ariane, Asha, Mm -hmm. Cersei, Melisandre, you know, she has a glamour on her, but they're extremely mm-hmm. beautiful women. And that's a good point about Liza because she's not, but is that how reality is? Like that you but naturally she started look... out as one. Yeah. She yeah. was very beautiful when she was young, just yeah, like Kat. They were pretty, both yeah. very beautiful. Um, yeah, no, that's a really good point, Clotho. And that is very true. I mean, how are we judging let, them based on how we yeah, do in real life? You well, know, <laughs> let's compare this to the male characters, right? Yeah. I mean, like there, there, there are a lot of really average looking dudes. I mean, John's supposed to be relatively average. Ned is very, very average. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Tyrion is, is meant to be less than average attractiveness. 
um, you know, I don't know. Like Renly's hot. Bran's too young to talk about. Hot. Yeah, I mean, Renly's yeah, well, hot. Jamie, Jamie's super hot. You know, Jamie's we got Loras, kind of the kind exception. Of I mean, like, who's hotter than Jamie? That's an actual POV character. Anybody? Right. Uh, maybe no Rhaegar used to be, or <laughs> he was but a lot not of a POV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. like. Uh, uh, yeah. So yes, the guys are yeah, just Sanders, like, like guys are yeah. allowed to be average yeah, and yeah. still be you know great, and women have to be exceptionally. That's kind of how it is, though. In real life, that's like, an allegory of the like, yeah. actual yeah. world, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like, so many musician guys that are that yeah homely, and there's yeah. <laughs> Well, and even Arya, you know, we have to hear, like, oh, she's starting to look like her Aunt Liana, who is beautiful. Uh, yeah. You know, like, Arya couldn't just be, be some, you know, horsey face. Yeah, long face. face. You know? yeah, yeah, the horse face thing. But, I right. mean, like, yeah, no, this, and this is the issue. I mean, there is objectification, and that's where you, that's where you see it. And, you uh, want to see, too, like, where George's real, you know value and beautiful women lies and you know what he perceives as ideal take a look at that book that uh, that book that you made us get oh the world of ice (laughs) and fire yes look like victoria's secret models i know oh yeah like that sheer sea star oh god (laughs) Yeah, I mean, all that bathing in blood, you know. <sighs> There's just no body type differences. Yeah, they're all the same. All the well, I mean, it's hard to separate that from just fantasy artists and yeah, and he, I know. Yeah, but he so, can't say. I'm sure, right? Like he was was he not a consultant on that? Oh no, publication. Got to pick. I think yeah. you got to pick the artists that they tapped. Yeah. No. What's so funny though is he, you know, obviously has like the idea of you know what is attractive in a woman, and I think it's you know things that most men probably share you know but boy he has no idea what women think is attractive in a man based <laughs> on like the portrait of jamie like yeah. like no no not doing it for me you know? not attractive right like look jamie would not be attractive to women at all i mean like yeah he'd be a little attractive but in like that like i don't want to say fabio but kind of in like that like you know like yeah, I guess he look fine in a book cover, but you're never like gonna like want him, you know? Like, wasn't the image of Rhaegar really torn apart in that book too? <laughs> Was it? Was oh, yeah, upset with? Well, didn't he have like a mullet? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, women dig mullets. Right. <laughs> like, like, just why like, not yeah, consult an actual woman, a woman on how yeah. they should look? <laughs> right. Like, a woman writing, a woman like doing the art would have had them look quite a bit different, you know? And I mean. There were women doing some of that art, though. Oh, well, they weren't doing Jamie. Or if they were, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just that long, curly-haired, like super. Oh. Well, this, add to the list of people that will never appear on this podcast. <laughs> I think I think it's safe to say no one ever associated <laughs> with the show or the books will ever appear on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We've burned all of our bridges. <laughs> I'm proud of it. Yeah, exactly. We're independent. <laughs> independent, all my women. Sorry. <laughs> but I mean, like, on the other hand, at least, at least George gave us Brienne. I mean, like, yeah. and yeah. and I mean, like, she's such an exception in you know anything. In yeah. 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 I love that he conceived of her and to because that was the whole precipice for creating her right is no, no one had ever done a character a woman that was yeah. ugly well <laughs> i mean completely lovable 
Yeah, I, I mean, like, in such a complicated way, no. I mean, nobody ever really has. I mean, not that I've read, not well done, not not as complex as Brianna and the, and the is, height but... is. It, I mean, it's it's a huge. And the height. Yeah, that's a huge difference because even in other stories where you have sort of the homelier, and you know, there's always the the they get the made to look pretty and uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, but they're sure. you know they're petite. They're not like that's another thing you don't see really huge women because it's so. Yeah, I can't think of any other. Can you think of any other character? I'm trying to rack. No, my brain well, and Clotho, I... like you know, for taller women, which I know you identify with. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there is, you know, it, it is, it, being shorter than a man is, is conceived by society to be feminizing to you. Oh, and yeah, yeah. So he was clearly making a very bold statement by making her taller than almost anybody. I mean, there are a ton of like, I, my, I ran into it in just other stories I've heard from other tall women. There are a lot of men that absolutely will not date a woman that's taller than them. And then there are absolutely tall women not. who won't date yeah. a man who's shorter than them too. So, but yeah. yeah. I wouldn't date a man who is shorter than me. <laughs> oh, yes! We know your pocket size, guys. <laughs> I'm five one, by the way. So that might actually be illegal. <laughs> well, I don't know what it is. I I, I probably would, but I, I get. Oh, I'm gonna get so much shit for this. But my husband will sometimes joke with me. He's like, "Would you date me if I was like this?" And he will like squat down, like so he's like lower, like. And I have a visceral reaction. I'm like, "Ew!" <laughs> I push him away from me. So. My husband's no, four, think... my husband's four inches shorter than me, and my 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 mom was six one, and my dad's five five. So wow. I grew up with that. Yeah. <laughs> Good for them. Well, I think we have shorthand in our you know like that hardwiring in the brain that associates you know height with masculinity yeah. too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know if it's hardwiring as it is like societal hardwiring, but uh-huh. yes. Yeah. Um, it felt pretty like biological. Visceral <laughs> 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 reaction. <laughs> It just feels nice to have somebody that's tall enough to reach things on the top shelf. I mean, there is. I'm very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> or even like, like the out shelf. Well, people at grocery stores ask me to get things for them, so. Yeah. I have a lot of methods I've developed over the years to get things at grocery stores. Or when they put like the petite pants on the top shelf of a store. It's like, you No, fucker. does that happen? Yeah, it's oh, no. terrible. Like, Why are you putting petites up there? Like we oh can't God. reach it. Short. What a jackass thing to do. They do it all the time. That's kind of funny. <laughs> that would be hilarious if they had the tall clothes up really high. That'd be awesome. And the petites under them. <laughs> there were stores that I knew, like when I would actually shop. There were stores where I knew where all of like the little hooks that you could go for were. <laughs> um. So one thing I'm curious about with Brienne and, and curious about your thoughts on is, and also I think it gets to like George's progression as a writer and, you know, perhaps as a feminist in a way, is that I, I do think that, you know, with, with the huge gaps between his works, he certainly has a lot of time to evolve as a person and as a writer in between books. And he, has, he has time to become like an MD between his books. Yeah, he really, I mean, he really could like get you know, yeah, a real estate license, uh, insurance agent. Like he could become a whole bunch of different things in between <laughs> books if he wanted to. Um, but with Brienne, one of the things I think is kind of interesting and telling maybe is you know, but between Storm of Swords and by the end of Feast, like he actually has, he actually as a writer goes out of his way to make her uglier. 
Hmm. And I think, yeah. you know, part of that probably a reaction to, you know, this idea that maybe she's not that, you know, maybe she's not that ugly. Like, I bet we could pretty, you know, mm. no, like, she's never prettied up. Like, yeah, she's made, you know, ugly in ways that are undeniable. Like, the reader can't not see her as, yeah. you know, mm. like... It's in our well, I, I, my, my thought is that it was directly in response to that. Cause I, I don't know if there are so spake Martins or, but somewhere I will swear to you, I know I'm saying this all the time. It sounds like such fake news, but I <laughs> have seen like questions that he got like before at feast and stuff where people would ask number one, you know, is, is she, is she biologically um, female? And he wouldn't answer the question and they would say, is she really that ugly? Hmm. Um, and so I honestly believe I have nothing to base this on, but my own conjecture, I believe he scarred her to um, make sure no one could question whether or not she was ugly when, you know, she and Jamie start banging in the next book because he so wanted to be sure. Assholes. <laughs> Eat it worse. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Bria. <laughs> but I think, you know, I think it's, he's obviously, you know, he's trying, right? Like yeah. he, yeah. And then, you know, he has, like, a character like Val, who, you know, he does make beautiful, but she's kind of, you know, like, she's kind of racist, basically. (laughs) Or not racist is the right word, but, you know, she's kind of, kind of prejudiced, you know, and just. You're you're talking about the way that she feels about Gilly's baby. Yeah, and Gilly's baby, yeah, Yeah, like, she's kind of, you know, a little icky, like. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that's so George. I mean, he can't leave anybody perfect, you know, he's got to kind of make them not but right yeah no I, I mean like this is why this is why my feelings about george are complicated because it's like you're like oh is he feminist i'm like no but then i'm like yes yes he does some <laughs> very feminist things and then on the mm-hmm. other hand no he does some very non-feminist things wasn't there a character and i can't remember the name of the character it's kind of like an anti brienne that's in the golden company oh, pretty maris pretty maris yes yeah yeah Somebody somebody posted this huge horrible thing about how they thought that that Pretty Maris he actually, actually put Pretty Brienne. Maris in yeah because it was actually what he was going to do with Brienne. Oh what? Oh that she was going <sighs> to I think I think so uh, it was actually a really good post like I I can't even deny that it was really well written and put together but they were basically like um you know so so much of what ha- happened or what we know that happened to Pretty Maris are things that kind of happened to Brienne and and they were like I think George knew this is what the realistic thing would have been that would have happened to Brienne, and so he wanted to write it mm-hmm. in. Oh, wow. Who knows if that's true or not, but that was a really good post that probably somebody yeah. could link us to. Mm-hmm. You know, are there any thoughts, like, you know, how do we feel, or do you know, you guys have any thoughts around how he portrays women in Essos? racist i mean yeah i mean yeah i I feel like i'm setting him up for like a terrible you know a terrible response but i feel like we can't not talk about it well i think it's important when when we see things that are racist you know people don't don't always um understand um that that the way that they view things is racist and um, Orientalism, which look it up if you don't know what I'm what I mean when I say that, is is basically um, Western culture. Let's just call it white people, Europeans and and North American white people, um, basically fetishizing oh, yeah. uh, different cultures than their own, yeah. and there is a lot of that 
in what yeah. goes on in Essos. A terrifying amount. And I don't like how he writes prostitutes, which sort of ties yeah. into, there's a lot of yeah. that going on. Es- I mean, there's a lot of Westeros too, but it, it really rubs me the wrong way. And there's, I feel like there's no balance in his, in his prostitutes. There's no like re- realistic, like it's a lot of like um, sort of. I mean, he would have done well, you know, we kind of talk about sometimes that, you know, did Cersei get a POV because he needed someone in King's Landing because you know he killed and he killed and removed everyone from yeah. there, and you Which know what if instead yeah. of a Cersei POV, he had like a Chataya POV? Yeah, you know, like a you know he doesn't give a he, and I mean it's I guess it's it's with men too. He doesn't really yeah. have POVs of the small folk. Yeah, that could be yeah, but it that would you know it, but yeah. Because that is be, true. You're seeing them through someone else's eyes and they're putting yeah. on an act, so it's hard to really see what's going on inside if they're putting on an act, you know, or if that's the pretense. Well, that's it. I mean, he, he kind of almost universally portrays, you know, people who are pro- prostitutes as being into it, which yeah. just is um, really not what most of us see in the real world. And... No, no, like, where would he, like, that's like, George just watched a lot of porn, basically, Yeah, right? yeah, like, it's, it's like how they portrayed on Game of Thrones. It's like, you know, fits right in. Yeah. Yeah. We should probably back up to the Essos thing. I mean, Lot, I shouldn't have talked first. You're the woman of color. You talk about what you feel about Essos and all that garbage. Well, I think the obvious comparison is when you're looking at the Dothraki and um, you knowing that he took elements of, I think it was Apache and a little bit of um, Mongolian bit of culture. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I don't know if I can, I'd have to like go over and read the chapters again that specifically deal with the Dothraki. Um, But I know like I can really say with the show, the way that they've done it is I really have a problem with the lack of identity. There's no individuality with the characters after Khal Drogo. I mean, and Uh he was it really, right? Maybe um, her... Uh, servant, what was her name? Dorito, Doria. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, in the book, she's she's specifically white. You know, Eerie and Jiki are the you know the servants that are closest to her that are Dothraki, and they are kind of presented as a pair quite a bit. One-dimensional. Yeah, I think that's 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 my biggest issue is there's no personality, there's no actual characterization. It's just, it's kind of what happens with, like, a lot of Native Americans when yeah. they're portrayed mm-hmm. in literature and popular film is you, you get you get the concept of what that that is. The, 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 it's really, um, well, stereotypical, romanticized. There's, there's no person behind the character they're portraying. It's just that stereotype. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, like... Uh, well over like a hundred nearing a hundred years maybe going over a hundred years of dealing with that like I'm just yeah. fatigued with it <laughs> do you feel like again with the you know and obviously in the show she's older so I think it works better but you know even in the books you know he has a and she's not Dothraki but you know Missende is definitely a character distinct you know it's distinct with her own personality in the, in the books by the time of the fifth book so maybe that's another case of him you know, trying to trying to correct or trying to um well that's why I'm interested in saying that's why I'm like kind of trying not to push too far against George with what he's done because I don't know I don't know where he's going with that um well and I mean too 
you know, these books were written, you know, most of these books were written in the early 90s, which is, you know, frankly, in terms of feminism or in terms of, like, feminist thought, I think is a long time ago, right? Well, I mean, yeah. If we want to talk about even just, it's it, this is a discussion we've kind of had in the past, but, you know, it, when we talk about, like, rape and on the show, when we had the rape scene with, between, you know, where Jamie rapes Cersei, when they're next to to Joffrey's stupid corpse. and <laughs> I mean, the, you know, there was a lot of discussion of, well, this is rape in the books, which, I mean, like, I do not in any way, shape, or form view it to be because I believe that Cersei's consenting, which George has explicitly said, and he's the only person who would know. But um, it is written in a very rapey way, and that is how things were written then. It was it's written it would in, not like, have been... Yeah. It's like written Unusual. like historical romance section, yeah. you know. And and you know, it's like go read a historical romance from the early nineties. Yeah. If right. you want to just have your skin crawl, whereas I would have read it then and not thought twice about it. I, it wouldn't have occurred to me that it were rapey. You know what I mean? Like we have come a long way with these things. Mm. Um, I, I don't know that you know you can't excuse it for what it is. It is what it is, no matter when it was written. But, mm. um, yeah, I know. I think I think. I think there's been progress with feminism. I don't know with, I mean, obviously I'm just a white bread idiot. I don't know why I'm talking about it. I would say, I don't know that he's made the progress with the, the racist issues that he yeah. probably could and, and should have, but I mean, you know, maybe, maybe he'll get another book out and there will be progress. Well, I, I mean, that, I mean, look at the characters, right? Like look at the, the percentage yeah. of who yeah. are white characters right. in this world that get any kind of, stage presence yep yep and and like everybody says i mean like it's fucking fantasy there are fucking dragons why does everybody have to be white ass boring old oatmeal yeah it's a whole different world you don't have to yeah it doesn't have to be that way it doesn't have to be that way it does it does not have to be that way well i think it's especially interesting you know when he obviously has the different families and the different um geographical areas like having very distinct looks that you know hey like why that why could the errands you know the errands why can't they be black like why can't you know yeah why can't you know i mean well, really the people why, like dorn should have been black yes yeah. yes right so. or, or much darker than he climate well but it's funny and this this has so much to do with how you read things and you know in, in Western civilization, of course, you know, those of us who are white, we don't think about it because we're the default. So yeah. we read something and we just assume this shit is white. But, you know, as, as you pay attention to what he does with the Dornish, he doesn't talk about them as being white. He, he notes them as being, you know, I mean, obviously there's the sandy and the salty right. or whatever, and some of them are lighter than others. But he notes them having browner skin and things like that. But then... Um, in interviews, well, he's walked white it back person with a good tan. Yeah, <laughs> and he's walked it back and said, "Oh, they're really just you know like you know Mediterranean, like Spanish or Italian, you know, still very much Caucasian." I mean, he's actually explicitly said this, and it's like, wh- why they why? don't need to be? Right. <laughs> they don't like, need to I, be Caucasian. I, yeah, I mean, I always picture them as being you know very Middle Eastern. Yeah, like just. Uh, but, I mean, again, that's how I, I picture thought of in my them. Head. Yes, I thought of them as a subcontinent, almost. You know, like you know, India and and Pakistan. Oh, really? That's okay. what reading. That was what I thought he was doing. That's what um, I was seeing. I went more like Turkish and like Israeli. Yeah, that's kind of more like I was doing like a Middle East. 
Yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. But then, yeah. then and I think it was show. more like the food, <laughs> like also like the whole like, although I guess like the Indian yeah. food would work too, yeah. but the food felt more Middle Eastern to me than Indian. Honestly, I never paid much attention to the Martells or the Greyjoys because I'm like, too many fucking new people. <laughs> I'm skimming this until I find a name I recognize. <laughs> I, know, I, I don't disagree with you there. I mean, they were kind of tacked up. Um, oh, I had I had a thought. <laughs> what happened to it? Um, you know, one thing that bothers me about the books, and this could just be me, but I hate that everyone's – all the main characters have dead mothers. And it really – you know, I think it's one of those things where he – you know, in his mind, he's like, well, you know, women of – you know, whatever percentage of women died of childbirth in the Middle Ages. But, like, I, you know, but it leaves, like, this giant absence. Like, his three main characters, oh, wow. you know, none of them have living mothers. And it's just very, um, very glaringly noticeable so that there isn't necessarily – like this, you know, there's not like these wise women that would be roles in the book. Yeah, you know? that would be an interesting element to have. I would love that. <laughs> I mean, we have Elena and we have Jenna, you know, but yeah. we really don't. And it's funny because he Old writes man. them really well, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but if you think about it, technology has never progressed throughout this whole world. <laughs> if well, you but- look at like the Dunkin' Egg series, there's still boiling wine <laughs> to treat cuts and you know all that stuff i mean that th- there's no technology to save like pregnant women still it's just yeah, not it's, there it's kind of an internal inconsistency isn't it because we do have the maesters who actually do have some fairly decent medical knowledge about some things i mean the fact that they can you know Clyburn. figure out how to give you birth control <laughs> but right. yeah well, and Kyber too. But, you know, the, the fact that they can give you birth control but can't figure out how to, like, not have so many women die in childbirth is, you know, doesn't really make sense. Yeah, we need Sorella to, uh, I guess, I, I guess though she doesn't really have to specialize in women's health care just because she's a woman. Um, <laughs> I'm not really giving her, Wouldn't her. Not really giving her a fair shake there. I'm pretty Sorry. sure she's not really there to learn anything, but yeah. <laughs> I guess George never thought about having any midwife characters. Yeah, that's you know? really weird that he didn't. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. Why well, I mean, to me, I think he specifically wants them to not have mothers. and I, it I Sounds like it. Like a lack I of feminine influence or a lack of... To well, complicate I mean, it. It would we complicate can, it. We can have some conjecture about why, but yes. Mothers are, are more concerned or more nosy. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, he, he doesn't, I don't know, he, he he may not want to go into mothers for whatever personal reasons, or it just might not be, you um, know, I mean, he does with Kat, but, you know, Kat's relatively young, I mean, like, I say yeah. that now, I mean, like, I know there are people who think she's old mostly because of the show, but she's, you know, she's like, what, 32? Just like, how old is Michelle Fairley? Like, whatever, she's hotter than any of yeah, us. Yeah, no, she's but... not old either. <laughs> oh. uh, right. Yeah, think about it, like, how are these guys living to be so old and the women are all dead? God. <laughs> Like, there's all blame on childbirth? This is crazy. Right, like, the men don't get diseases or, you know, like, if the if the healthcare is that shitty, there should be plenty of dead fathers, yeah, too. Does yeah. anybody have a dead father? Do any of the main characters oh, have dead fathers? Now well, that I'm thinking about it. Well, Danny, Danny but the I only mean, one. Yeah. not of natural causes. I don't know. No. Yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe, I know it's already been stated, but, but I... Pretty much everyone has a dead mother, though. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... Well, 
I think there's some legitimacy though to say, it's saying that it's because they if he's you now he's looking at a middle ages type era that he's trying to portray. Yeah, a lot of women did die. Like I'm not sure the statistic, but it's super high. If it wasn't for modern medicine, I probably would have died in my childbirths. It's higher than now, but it's nowhere <laughs> near as high as what he portrays. And especially uh, when right. he's portraying the absolute like pinnacle of society. I mean, you exactly. look back. You look back into history, and you know we don't necessarily have like a ton of royal women dying in childbirth compared to compared to the overall population. Compared to the peasants that had to pretty much you know make their yeah, own farm hands. You had kids dying in childbirth. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, that's, the children that, dying. That's but. an interesting point, too, because you do see among the peasants, you see him describe a lot of older women. And and so you'd think that the wealthier people would be a little bit more well, better taken care of with the, the maesters. And... Well, I mean, in <sighs> actual medieval Europe, um, peasant women married older than 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 women in in the aristocracy. I mean... No one, hardly anyone was uh, both marrying and then being sexually active and reproducing at the ages that George portrays. It was rare as opposed to constant. (laughs) Um, And yeah, obviously, you know, if he's running around marrying 13 year olds off, then yeah, you're going to have a lot more, you know, maternal mortality that way. But it's, you know, he has it with, you know, with Tyrion's mom, it's her third kid. With Danny's mom, it's her third kid. You know, Lyanna's the one that it's her her first kid. You know, Brienne's mom had four kids. You know, so they've all they can afford. You know, the good moon tea and everything. <laughs> the common working class family, though, that is running <laughs> a farm, they need help. They need help on the farm. So, yeah. Just as like a little suspicious to me that all these moms are dead and I don't like it. Yeah, no, it's clearly, con- it's like uh, you know, thing. that he doesn't want to have to deal with it. Yeah, it's a Disney thing. He doesn't, you know. He, yeah, you know, he, and it's like, fuck you. You know how much the world doesn't want to deal with, like, middle-aged women? Oh, like, my yeah. My sister's so, uh, whole thing where they, my sister, who is, like, super law-abiding. This is not the coconut cream pie sister. This is the other sister <laughs> who's very law-abiding. <laughs> And she often, she has a theory that she's like, I could steal something. I could commit any crime I want because as a middle-aged woman, I'm invisible. Yeah, there is a, there <laughs> no is a thing. Yes, there's definitely a thing about yeah. being invisible. Like, people don't pay attention there's to you. Start to... Yeah, and, you right. know, like, oh, the moms aren't, you know, the moms aren't fuckable anymore. They're not, um, you know, they're not politically relevant, perhaps. They're not, you know, so, like, we don't even need to have them. Like, they don't even need to exist in the story. Yeah, and well, makes me angry I mean, now. <laughs> yeah, well, and the fact that he just went there so much. I mean, how many characters can we name? Yeah. We know their 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 mothers like, died when they were children. I mean, and, we have to go the other way around. How many characters have a, had a living mom at the start, like the Stark kids and yeah. Asha and Theon? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. literally, might, I'm sure there are more, but I mean, it's not a lot. Oh, well, and the Tyrells. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, God, George. And even when he did leave the mothers, he just kind of didn't write them because, I mean, he did that with um, Arianne and Quentin, and he has kind of done that with with uh, Asha and Theon. And the Tyrell. Their mom like, is Larry is the one that barely... we never hear anything about. Oh, yeah. We hear very yeah, little but... about Sam's mom, you know. we. Yeah, like, and the more I'm thinking about it, the more yeah. angry I'm getting. I know. I'm seeing, I'm seeing the pattern now. <laughs> like thinking the only woman of that age bracket that it's not even a POV or has that many lines, but that is memorable is um, the mother of 
Rob Stark's mother-in-law. Oh, oh, what's her name? Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. Well, Sybil yeah. Spicer. And like Jenna, you know. Yeah. And Jenna. Yeah, Jenna's a good example. But the truth is Sybil Spicer's probably she might even be like younger. everybody else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. might yeah. be. We don't know. Yeah. Not like Could 40s, be, yeah. 50s, you know. Right. So Jenna. Is Jenna it? <laughs> Jenna and like if you want to go. Jenna and Olena. But Olena is, you know, older. She would, yeah, you know, she's probably like in her eighties or something oh, like that. Oh, I never thought songs. about this. Is such a glaring. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's glaring like absence. Just that there's middle-aged no women. It's yeah. so goddamn frustrating because it's like there are some things. It's just like what the fuck, and then other times you're like, oh great, George, good job. <laughs> yeah, the witch. the witch that cursed Danny. <laughs> oh, the one that they made hot oh, in the show. Oh yeah. 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 Oh no, that was think I was thinking the other. Um, oh, she's older though, right? Um, I was thinking. You're thinking of Miri Maz? No, I was popped into my head about Cersei. Uh, what is her oh, name? The, oh, Maggie. Um, Maggie the Frog. Maggie. Yeah. Maggie Maggie. Yeah, she's old, yeah. right? She's really old. Yeah, because yeah. she was friends with... Jen- or no, no, no. That- yeah, well, we isn't were there... upset with the portrayal of her in the show because she was oh, yeah, she's hot. Not so she bad. Actually... Yeah, she's kind of hot. Right? Yeah. <laughs> isn't she Sybil Spicer's grandma? Yeah, she's pretty old. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. she's they're related. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, there are, you know, yeah, we're, we're all the middle-aged women, George. <laughs> God damn it. Now we're all mad again. <laughs> we started off mad and now look, now look what they did to us. Um, I'm going to end, I'm going to end it maybe with one, with one question to go around. So, um, what would you guys, what would you each add to the story to, you know, make it more feminist? Well, I would add five years to the age of every woman in it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of the biggest qualm, you know, now that we I really put some thought into it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very typical of all media. He's doing the same thing because women of a certain age become invisible. They're not represented. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'd either fix or address the prostitute problem or too abundant or too stereotyped or that annoys me to no end. <laughs> I think I'd have women that aren't necessarily the most beautiful woman in the world or the ugliest. Yeah, yeah just in between. Yeah. yeah. Average. Yep. That's Where the rest one. of us live, just in the middle. <laughs> right. Speak for yourself. Damn it, it just took us two steps back, didn't I? <laughs> Three. Ian, anything anything for you? Um um more women that survive past thirty five after having a couple kids, you know. <laughs> yeah. Especially the richer ones, because you know, they can afford that moon tea and all that that expensive birth control. They could do some <laughs> Ian up. Go ahead, Ian. I'll let you finish. Is that it? Uh, I think I was, that was it. Yeah. I was going to say, what about some representation from women of a lesser class in this society? Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, across the board kind yeah. of thing, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know, even class if they're not issues. POVs, we just, you know, we get such fleeting glimpses of people that are not, you know, are not in the aristocracy. And the ones that yeah, we do people. get are victims yeah. or prostitutes. Yeah, they're victims. Like, poor yeah. more. What, Marsha Heddle? Oh, she yeah. ended up hanging yeah. on her side. Yeah. You know, poor lady. Just foils to advance other greater characters' stories. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
I guess the only real the only real lower class woman POV that we get must just be Melisandre. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. There's there's no there's no female Davos. There's no, you know opposite to Davos. There's nobody. I would have I would have loved to have the POV for um Mia or Maya Stone. Yeah. Mm. But still I would have loved to have her as more of a a, king. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it would have been great to have more more of her in the story. You know who would be great is um, Koja Mo. So she's the daughter of the captain of the Cinnamon Wind, which is the ship oh, that yeah. um, that Sam mm-hmm. Sam and Gilly are on. And then it, but they also like went to you know they went to Karth and met Danny, and they're taking I think they're taking Marwyn to Marine. And so obviously, like you know, this whole cruise had like quite an adventure, and you know she's a woman of color, and um, you know like. I've always kind of want. If we could request fan fiction, I would love fan fiction of A Song of Ice and Fire from the perspective of uh, the Cinnamon Wind and her crew. Because yeah. I think that'd be like really fun. <laughs> well, why are so you write it, Kyle? Someone get on that. Oh, you could do this. <laughs> I don't want to. I just want to read it. <laughs> um, anything else from anyone? Uh... I mean, I feel like George is doing a pretty good job, you know. He's trying, you know. He's trying, a yeah. Bit of effort, and that's better. A lot more than a lot of other fantasy writers. Yeah. Let's be fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yes, in that he at least acknowledges that 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 women women are have, people. Yes, <laughs> and people. and and you know have issues with equality. He definitely does. I mean, he he definitely seems to have some concept of of how the patriarchy can work on women, um, which is, you know, something. And like you said, yeah, he he makes them human. Well, yeah, there was like a quote I'm even thinking of where somebody had asked him, it was like in an interview where, you know, your women are so, um, you've given them such prominence in your story. Like what, uh, what motivated you to do that? And his response was, well, I've always thought of women as people, (laughs) you know, so. So now we have to reveal that, you know, a lot had to step away at the start. (laughs) Shit. Did I? Uh, So this is your Uh, quote. Photo 122. (laughs) (laughs) The scenes that close the door. I'm sorry. I was mothering in the beginning. (laughs) Yes, you were. Very, very feminine. You know, it's very appropriate for this episode. The most feminist thing you could do. Right. (laughs) There you go. I, I have one more contribution to add to like discussion with um, feminism is really interesting for me because, yeah, I live in this, you know, society with everybody else. But I come from a culture that's um, actually a matrilineal and matriarchal society. So, you know, not only are the women the heads of the household and the ones that carry the family line, but traditionally where the governance um, had the power in our governance, our governing our society so it's um just shout out to my peeps <laughs> there you go i tried mm-hmm. <laughs> you did try. well, i come like, from why... a place where I'm superior so i don't know this is kind of i have to kind of right. and like why isn't that interesting enough to be you know yeah, the fantasy yeah. story <laughs> yeah i mean like... if he was gonna pick an indigenous people that would have been kind of cool oh, to do would've. the doc Dracula like that yeah, yeah. that would have been cool. and i mean you know he has the dot you know obviously has the dosh colleen but i mean it's not it's like they not have a choice it's yeah, not like they have a choice to join yeah. you know it's like it's 
you know, you're shut away there, so I don't really know I'm, that we can, like... I'm actually just remembering... That. I'm remembering that Robert Jordan actually tried to do exactly that and just failed utterly, so... Um, I don't know. Hmm. I guess... Like, step step into cultural appropriation carefully and... Oh, and you know, like that's the thing. I think support any, the writers. You know, support the writers who can write about it from a place of knowledge. You know. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes, exactly. Support support writers of color and women and and also if you're gonna write about it as someone who's not that, yeah, like like Lot just said, talk to people who've yeah. lived what you want to write about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so much easier that. to just assume you know what you're talking about, though. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's gonna argue with you otherwise. Just assume we're we're all knowing. Come on, God. Do that for another hundred years. Like, what are they mad about now? (laughs) Oh oh, gosh. (laughs) If we're so lazy that we have to have buttons under our desk to lock the doors, we're clearly to actually talk to people of other experiences. Uh, See, I want a button to lock people out, not in. Right? Who wants to lock people in? What's wrong with you people? Yeah, most of us want people to get the hell out of our offices. <laughs> That's because we're women. Right? <laughs> True. Like, we just want to be alone for for like 20 minutes, whatever. <laughs> yeah, none of George's women, I think, are like, oh, fuck, just let me be alone for a second. <laughs> Which would be much more realistic. Uh, um, any, anything else, anyone? Well, I was just gonna say, you know, George George could kind of like um, rectify some of these issues by publishing a new book in which he addresses them. Yeah, I mean, I totally <laughs> agree with this. You mean a book in the like? Don't even say this because we could be getting like fire and blood, but it's like super feminist, and I think we still hate it. <laughs> what even matter? Like, the winds of women. <laughs> well, it depends on what they do with Brienne and Jamie, right? <laughs> I like the winds of women. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> they come in and take care of everything. Yeah. Clean like, it all up. The sun, he just has like 18 new POVs of middle-aged women. <laughs> yes! Fix <laughs> all the problems. Man, we'd be eating crow. Negotiating. <laughs> oh. I'm just imagining all of the message boards how pissed people would be and I really want to have them. <laughs> All from a matriarchal matrilineal society. <laughs> actually go west of Westeros, and that's what it is. <laughs> that's just the story. <laughs> oh. Oh. All right, guys. Um, thank you for this episode. Oh, it was a lot you. of fun. Yeah. And <laughs> if you want to find us, you can find us on um, Podbean and Stitcher, Google Play, and iTunes. You can email us at closethedoorand at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Door Podcast or find us on Facebook at Close the Door and Come Here. And if you are super special, you can become our Patreon and you'll receive special episodes and episodes early on, um, like this one probably, for example. You'll get to hear it weeks before anyone else. Uh, anything else? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Girls rule, boys drool. No, that's not the message. So I'm going to close the door with my button under my desk. (laughs) Get out. Oh, no.